It's time for Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grossa. And welcome into another edition of Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Happy holidays, everybody. Dan Grossa alongside my man, Bart Scott. Bart, Santa dropped a couple of gifts underneath the tree for the Jets in the form of two straight wins. How we doing? I'll tell you what, Victory Mondays. Um, I think that can become a habit. Um, I think it's, it's great for these guys to, to show that they're still all in. You know, they could have easily just folded. I understand that Cleveland was under tough situations, but, you know, the Jets took advantage of them. And you can say whatever you want to say about the fact that they didn't have receivers. They had a very capable, arguably the two best running backs in the game. They were able to shut them down. They were able to make sure that they didn't turn the ball over on the offensive side of the ball. It was a complete game. It was a team win. And I think, you know, what we've been waiting for was some guys to, to, to take advantage of their opportunities and flash. I think Basham flash. I think Nathan Shepard continues to flash. Um, and you look at, you know, no Quentin Williams. They were still able to, to be disruptive and get to the quarterback. You're absolutely right about that, right? And if guys are out of the lineup, others have to step up. I mean, you played the game. You know the old saying, right? It's next man up. And, yeah, yeah. Cleveland was shorthanded, but it didn't stop the Jets' offense from doing their thing, at least for much of this game against that Cleveland defense. They put up 23 points there and walk out of there a seven-point winner. But, you know, I'm glad you hit on the head a couple of guys on that defense, you know, with Basham and Nathan Shepard, who had another strong game. Foley Fadukasi back in the lineup after missing the victory out in L.A. And a guy like John Franklin Myers. Throw the record out the window. And it's the old cliche that the tape doesn't lie. And the right. best job interview that you're going to have is what you put on that tape. So each and every one of these guys, not just the ones we mentioned, but everybody in that uniform, they're making a case to be Jets again next year. And if there's no room for them with this team, then there's 31 other opportunities out there to find a home for 2021. And it's a testament to those guys that go out there and act like professionals. I mean, I believe that Basham and Luvo is really, you know, giving themselves the opportunity to say, okay, well, I can be the other guy, right? So like if Quentin Williams is over here and you guys are going to go out and get a pass rusher, I can be the other guy, right? I can be the other guy. I may not be the 10 to 15 sack guy, but I can be the guy that's going to raise havoc on the opposite side. You know, and I think that, you know, being able to build the back end of the roster, being able to, to build tremendous depth, I just like the way that those guys have been playing. They play with tremendous effort. They they play like they care. And, you know, they're relentless to the ball. They, we, we used to say playing with your hair on fire. These guys have been playing that way. I mean, you know, that's great for a guy like Basham to be able to come out and be responsible for two turnovers. You know, he basically won the game, take, you know, getting the ball out and being able to, to secure a victory. And that's what you want. You want guys to be able to step up in situational football and he didn't, he didn't kind of slow up. He saw that, you know, he was unblocked. Um, he saw Baker had got held up, a tremendous job by the offensive line, made a defensive line to stack that offensive line up so that he can come off and make Baker have to hold the ball and duck his head and he didn't see him coming. And still to have the, 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 the wherewithal to knock it out. I mean, I think that was huge. There's a lot of teachable tape. I mean, I think that Hall and the corners played well. I understand they were going against receivers that we didn't know of. Right. But Practice how, how many times have we seen a guy like Victor Cruz and nobody's know of go for 300 on this? You know I mean, instead of making it their day, you know, they made it theirs. And, you know, that's something to build on. And um, It's going to be, you know, the Jets are going to have to look long and hard. Sam Donald, I believe, did enough. Um, he's taking steps. Let's see if he can get comfortable. Um, he made plays down the field. I mean, I was, I was laughing because it looked like Frank Gore retired after, after he got 16,000 yards. 16 k like, walk off the field. Hey, that's it. The field left. Like, hey, Frank, we still got a game going on. I mean, if you're not going to run the ball, can you at least just kind of pay attention to us a little bit? 
but it was all good, man. I mean, what a great accomplishment for him. Um, I wish he could have had an opportunity to kind of go out. I understand it's not a crowd that can give him a round of applause, but I think they should have stopped the game, gave him the football, went to the middle of the field, able to to virtually say goodbye, you know, to all the fans that have supported him over the years. He's been nothing but a great captain. And, you know, to be able to move into that rarefied air, you know, being right behind Sweetness mm-hmm. and, and, and Emmett Smith is something that he'll never forget. And I think his son is either going to have the bow down and say, you know what, Dad, you got this one. 16,000 yards. I mean, shoot, I don't even think I've driven that far in my life, much less run that far, you know, as a National Football League player. I mean, and you're right. And, you know, with the running game, too, you talk about sprinkling in a guy like LaMichael Piran, who came back into the fold yesterday, had some good runs there. You want to see more of him, of course, in that season finale up against the Patriots coming up next week, which we'll hit on a little bit, too. You know, back on the defense, though, one other thing. And it kind of flies under the radar. I think we should tip our cap here to Frank Bush, right, who's done a nice job here coordinating this defense. Now, look, that first effort out in Seattle against the Seahawks, it didn't go their way. There were some holes in the defense we know. You know, they were having some problems in that afternoon. But last week against the Rams and certainly in the game yesterday against the Cleveland Browns, boy, you've seen a completely different defense with guys out of the lineup. And it's a credit to Frank for getting those guys to all be on the same page. I think he's putting these guys in position to do what they do well. I mean, you look at a guy like Arthur Millette that, you know, at first glance we consider a corner because of his size, but he's shown that he's scrappy enough. And this almost reminds me of the old Florida State where you take your corners and make them safeties, you take your safeties, make them linebackers, you take your linebackers, make them pass rushers. Derek Brooks. Exactly. I think that he's, you know, really taking the next step and this could be a position where he can really add value to himself. I can remember Mark Barron doing, you know, from a safety Mm -hmm. to a linebacker. Um, and, you know, this can be one thing. You think about uh, – I think about Rod Woodson moving from corner to safety, Charles Woodson. I mean, this at this point now, it's not about the big guys that you have to hit anymore. It's about being able to play in space. And if you're used to playing against corners, I mean, if you're used to playing against receivers, then if they give you a, a tight end or they give you a, a running back, that should be a, a, a playoff. And I think that he's been taking advantage of it, and I think they should consider leaving him there permanently. Yeah, Ronnie Lott did the same thing. You know, people forget he came into the NFL as a corner and then moved to safety, too. They played a lot of big nickel yesterday, did the Jets, right? They put a third safety on the field as opposed to a corner here. And, look, you want to account for the pass catchers, and you know that Cleveland featured those three tight ends. They had a lot of 13 personnel because, as we talked about, the Browns were lacking some wide receivers here. But, you know, I'm curious as to what you think because so often – Look, every coach is going to think they're the smartest guy in the room, right? They always think they can outfox the opposition. But I was a little surprised yesterday that Kevin Stefanski, who has one of the top running games in the National Football League, led, of course, by Kareem Hunt, who was coming in averaging five and a half yards a carry, which was first in the National Football League. Of all running backs, you're playing four practice squad wide receivers, essentially, and yet they came out there, at least in the first half, and only ran the ball eight times. For the game, they threw it 53 because they fell behind. They were trying to play catch-up. But at least in the first two quarters, Bart, I was a little surprised about how they tried to attack offensively. I mean, I remember the Jets' first um, drive. They came out and they decided to throw the ball three straight times, too. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, why aren't we going to run the football against this, this defense? You know, I, I think the young rookie got an education a little bit going against Miles Garrett. He was able to hold his own in some plays. But he also was able to, to to learn some things, and I think he'll be better for it. I'm sure he won't shoot his arms as quickly and get a swipe down. Mm-hmm. And that's what's good. Whenever you can have a victory, yet you have mistakes, teachable tape, those are the best type of Ws because now guys can't feel confident about their dominating. But they can feel good about the fact that they competed and they, and they got some tape to learn, but they still have the joys of winning. 
little bag of tricks yesterday, too, when he looked at the Jets' offense, right? The end around, Jamison Crowder showing off the arm strength, hitting Braxton Berrios down the sideline for that touchdown. But apart from that, Crowder had himself a big game, him and Sam getting that chemistry back, which we know they've had for the better part of the last two years. And it was also good to see a guy like Chris Herndon, you know, have a big afternoon here, catching multiple passes, being more of a focal point of this offense, because going into next year, Bart, when the Jets are trying to turn this thing around, you would like to think that those two guys are going to be a part of what they do offensively. Absolutely. And, I mean, when you think about Herndon, you know, he's been able to put a couple of good performances together, you know, from all indications about what he was able to do in training camp. We know the talent is there, but it's the consistency there. And it's the effort to get him the football and make him a focal point of the offense. Is that is that something that's been um, highlighted? Um, and you look at, you know, Crowder. Crowder's always had that relationship with Sam Darnold. Uh, when Flacco comes in, it's not as much. But when he's in, that's his safety valve. You know, you, you look at maybe adding some some competition to the spot. But, you know, Crowder's a guy that I have to kind of lock up. He's, he's going to last year of his three-year deal. I think before the season's over with, you know, like a lot of teams are doing, you know, you give him that extension and give you an ease on the salary cap and lock him down for another three more years, you know, being that Sam's going to be here and he's his go-to guy. And you're going to really try to upgrade on the outside and bring in some competition, you know, for Perriman and bring in some competition for Mims. You know, it's going to be a lot of great receivers out there that's available. Um, you have to be in. The, you have to be in the conversation with all of them. And you know the two wins that they've gotten here consecutively, right, against the Rams and against the Browns. That's not just against two any old teams. I mean, those are two teams that have postseason aspirations. Neither one of them yet has clinched a berth yet. So the Jets can at least take solace in the fact that you know what they did play spoiler, and they're making it a little bit harder for those teams to at least continue playing football when January rolls around. You've you've been on teams where you're playing out the string, the whole playing spoiler element to it. Do you get a little bit more satisfaction winning a game, but then also spoiling another team possibly who thinks they're going to the playoffs? Absolutely. It's great to be a hater, right? If I can't go, you can't go either, right? So, yeah, I'm going to be watching the playoffs, but I'm going to make sure that you come with me. And that's really what guys are motivated by. Like, you know what? Well, we're not going to go where we want to go, so let's let's be a hater and let's stop them from going. They think they're going to come here and get an easy L, when they saw the Jets on the schedule, they were like, all right, circle that, we'll get the W. And then the biggest fans, you know, of the Jets right now are the Ravens because they say, right, thank you, I appreciate you, you know, for doing what you what you needed to do. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if some guys get some of their charities donated to. <laughs> Inside the Jets, supported by BetMGM, place your football parlays, props, and futures bets at BetMGM Sports all season long. You mentioned Sam. Third straight game that they didn't turn the football over offensively. And he was efficient yesterday, spread the ball around again, didn't make any critical mistakes, got rid of the ball on time. You know, what you're seeing from him here, and look, the, the offseason is going to take care of itself, but do you think that the way he's closing the season, if he's able to go up to New England and have another solid performance to end the year, do you think that that's something you can at least use as a springboard going into the offseason and then into 2021? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of decisions that's going to be made around Sam. Um, unfortunately, we don't know if if they're going to go out and look at the free agent market, if they're going to go out and look at their draft capital and see, you know, bring in some competition for Sam, whether it's later in the, in the first round. Hell, we just saw um, Aaron Rodgers, arguably the greatest quarterback in the, in the game right now, you know, have love brought in and a surprise to bring competition. Um, Sam's responded, and I think he's been professional, you know, dealing with this whole um, situation. And understanding that, hey, if they, you know, the whole Trevor Lawrence distraction, uh, mm. I think he did what he was supposed to. You know, if he got a victory, that would silence that stuff. And yesterday they they locked down the second draft pick behind Jacksonville, and it's because they got W's, 
right? So, I mean, you have to tip your hat to him, him trying to take control of his own narrative, say, you know what, I want to be the quarterback of this team. And to do that, I know I have to beat two very, very good opponents. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, there's going to be a lot of decisions, of course, for Joe Douglas to tackle this offseason. But we do know now with certainty that they are going to be picking second in the draft. And that just, I mean, opens up a wide array of possibilities. I mean, the team can go in a number of different directions. And I think that obviously some of the decisions that they make before the draft are maybe going to dictate what they end up doing you know, when it rolls around. But as you said, you could sit there at two, you could make the pick. You could trade down because you know that that spot is going to be coveted probably by a lot of teams in the National Football League who maybe, you know, have their eyes set on one of these quarterbacks, not named Trevor Lawrence. So I think it's a good situation for the Jets to be in right now. And, oh, by the way, you're talking about almost $90 million in cap space that they're going to have to play within the offseason. And, you know, with the uncertainty involving the salary cap for next year, Bart, right? We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but there's going to be a lot of teams in the NFL who are going to have to say goodbye to some really good players because they're going to be up against the cap and, if you're a team like the Jets and you have that flexibility and you have that space, that would be an opportunity to go pounce and to bring in some more talent on this roster. I mean, you definitely have to take that into consideration, the fact that you can move down and get more assets, or you can stay put. If you want, if you say, hey, I think um, at three that the best player in, in, in the um, draft for us is the offensive tackle from Oregon, mm-hmm. you got to say, you know what, I want to move down and get more assets, but he won't be there. Just, just think about the impact that Beckton has had on this team. You know, remember the, the impact that the Brickershaw and, and, and Nick Mango had on this team. But this gives you an opportunity to get two bookend tackles and, yep. and allow you to address the interior of the offensive line in free agency. Uh, if you're talking about building around Sam, that's really what you have to do. You start with his protection and you start with the playmakers on the outside of the numbers. And you look at Cleveland, right? I mean, we didn't see them yesterday, but, you know, they went out and signed Jack Conklin, one tackle. They drafted Jedrick Wills, the other. So they've been effective this year offensively, scoring points, running the football. You think about Tennessee, you know, before Conklin left, you had him and Lawan as your bookend tackle. So, I mean, that's just like very tantalizing, I think, if you're a Jet fan thinking about what you can then look like offensively, given the fact if you're going to have a quarterback that has a firm foundation in front of him, a competent running game, weapons surrounding him on the outside, you know, you might see night and day when it comes to offensively the 2021 version of this Jets team. Absolutely. I mean, I think we can say that the first real draft that, you know, Joe Douglas had has been a success. Oh, it's been great. It's like he's got four or five studs, guys that, you know, some some guys may develop a little later in the process, but, you know, the guys that he – he drafted at the top of the market, the top of the draft, has been producing early early on. So you just think, what can he do with two first-round draft picks? How can he continue to build the foundation and, and, and build the character of this team? Like, the character is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the atmosphere is great, you know, that they, that they didn't quit, that they didn't say, okay, well, we want Trevor Lawrence, we're just going to lose, we're going to tank. No, they played their butts off, and they said, you know what, no matter what the circumstances is, the right way not to cheat the game is to play as hard as you can for as long as you can. And whatever happens, happens. What's the feeling going to be like on that field Sunday, you know, for the season finale? It's a division opponent. Jets and Pats don't like each other. But both of these teams are going to be playing out the string. And you'd like to be able to say that every guy is going to be on the same page. And look, you're, you're going out there to try to win. But a lot of these games we see, you know, the clock tends to run. There's a lot of run the ball. Keep it moving. Let's end our season. You know, we're not going to usually have like three and a half hour marathons in those week 17 games. But as a player in that situation, do you still approach it just like the previous two weeks is, hey, I'm going to win a football game and however long it takes, I'm going to get it done? Absolutely. You got to think that you play the game for the love of it, and this could be your last time playing the game. There's no guarantees that if you're on this roster that you even are in the NFL next year. Um, and some guys got to say, you know what, if I want to have the right, 
my contract's up, if I'm one of these guys that's at the end of the roster, I need to show something. I need to show that I'm willing to fight, show that I'm not a guy that's going to give up. You know, I'm a guy that you can count on. I'm a good character guy. You know, because sometimes people don't realize it's the intangibles. You know, it's the intangibles that people love. It's the intangible players that may not be a great player, but they allow other players to be great because of their mentorship, because of the way they go about business, their professionalism. You know, so it's going to be some guys out there that may get some opportunities. I mean, I want to see Cameron Clark. I haven't seen Cameron Clark all right. year. He was active. Yeah, right? I want to yeah. see what he's all about. I don't care if he's healthy, if he's not. You know what I mean? Put him out there. Let's see what he's made out of. Well, one guy we won't see in that game, Bart, little breaking news here as we're doing the show, is we won't see Frank Gore. So what we were talking about yeah, a little while ago. got 16,000. 16,000 on the dot. At least that's how he's going to end 2020. I mean, yeah, who's going to I'm not trying to lose a yard and then <laughs> – can't have that. He's got a lung contusion, so we hope that it's nothing serious, but he's not going to play against the New England Patriots, and who knows if he's even going to decide to play football again next season. And, look, his career speaks for itself. He's going to the Hall of Fame, third all-time rusher. We hit on that. But, again, it's an opportunity for some of these younger backs to get some more carries and to get a longer look. LaMichael Pirine, Ty Johnson, you want to throw in Josh Adams as well. You expect to see a heavy dose of those guys up in Foxborough in the season finale. Coming up next, we'll talk to a member of the Green and White. That's here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Gross alongside Bart Scott. It's time now for our player guest segment, brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And we're pleased to be joined today by the quarterback of the New York Jets. He's number 14, Sam Darnold. Sam, thanks for joining us, my friend. How are you? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm good. Coming off a win always feels nice. Did not where you guys able to get victory Monday? Did you guys get Monday off or just go ahead and take care of some stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just taking care of some uh, little injuries that I got, little, you know, bruises, stuff like that. But, you know, we're supposed to stay out of the building anyways on Mondays. So, Absolutely. you know, I get in, get out. And then, uh, yeah, we had we had Monday off, though. Now, I, I've been I've been a part of a couple of disappointing seasons. And the first thing I wanted to do when the season was over with was to get back to the lab because it's hard to improve on things when you're in the season. But when you're off, you can kind of take a step back and see all the things that you need to improve on. You see the game better. You're able to take a step back, and it's not like being moving at the speed of light. You know, how excited are you to kind of get back to the lab and kind of analyze what went right and what went wrong and how you take the next step in your progression? Yeah, you know, right during the middle of that time when we were – struggling you know the middle of this year um you know i i texted you know my quarterback coach and then my trainer who i train with just everything that i want to work on you know how i want to get better and um so yeah i mean i want to get back as soon as possible obviously give my body probably a couple of weeks but um i want to get back right back at it i mean obviously this year didn't go the way that we wanted it to um but like you said i mean that's the only way to cure it is go right back to the lab and and get to work. Is you know, it Bart, as easy? Is it as easy or as simple as your mechanics and being consistent and trying to, you know, you're like one of those things, 10,000 hours for something to become second nature. And sometimes when you're trying to work on things during the season, you tweak things wrong. And it's like, man, I just couldn't figure it out. Is it really going back to the fundamentals and, and the foundation of which, how you release the football? Um, no, it's not so much that. I think for me, it's, it's just, you know, putting it all together. I think, you know, um, mentally going back and watching the tape and understanding, okay, this is how I can be better. I think, you know, the last couple of weeks while we've been winning, you know, I haven't been turned the ball over. And sometimes it's as simple as that. 
Um, but as you know, Bart, you know, the game isn't that simple. So I think for me, it's just um, going back, understanding what I did wrong when we were losing. And um, I think it is, you know, it's for me, it's really just taking care of the football. It's making sure that I'm doing all the right things. If something's not there to throw it away, or if I feel like there's guys around me, I can't necessarily use my feet to get out of the pocket, just throw it at someone's feet or dirt it, you know, or uh, throw it away. So, you know, those are the little things that I've been learning from this year and my three years here as a jet. So I'm going to continue to learn. And then in the weight room, I, I want to get stronger. Um, you know, having the shoulder injury really kind of derailed my strength there. Um, Cause during the season, like you said, you can't, necessarily keep up with that strength as much as you'd like to um so that's one thing for sure i just want to get a little bit stronger in my upper body and um you know continue to work on the pliability there as well um so there's always that fine line of getting you know stronger but also making sure that you know i'm staying pliable and and everything's working correctly so yeah it's not so much mechanics it's it's more of just going back and you know watching the tape of myself and getting stronger Two straight wins here for you guys, and you're closing the season with a little bit of momentum here, some positivity. You know, I'm sure that there's fans out there who see the way the team is playing now, Sam, and they say, well, where was this earlier in the season? You know, what if they had played this way earlier in the year? Maybe we'd be talking about a different outcome of the season. Do you guys as players in the locker room, do you ask yourself this question? Like, boy, this is what we're capable of doing. You know, where was this earlier in the year? Yeah, I mean, it sucks, you know, that it's it's coming at this time, but um, you know, it is what it is, man. It's, you know, you, you look back and, you know, you try, you try to just learn from your mistakes as much as possible and, and grow from it. And I feel like we've done that as a team, obviously it came too late, but, um, I feel like this team is super resilient and we've done a great job of, of learning from everything this year. And, um, you know, like I said, in the beginning, it's, it's not the year that we envision for ourselves, but, um, you know, we've all learned, we've all, you know, grown as people um, and we are a super close group. And I think that's showing, you know, these last few weeks. You dived into your bag of tricks yesterday, you know, dialing up that end around play that Crowder threw for the touchdown pass. Did you have a sense that that one was going to be called on game day throughout the week when you were practicing? Or were you kind of surprised when you got that call from the sidelines? Yeah, no, we knew it was going to get called. I mean, Crowder was calling his number the whole practice too and throughout the week. <laughs> He's like, man, coach, you got to call that one. You got to call that one, coach. So Crowder, you know, he's he's funny that way. And he was making sure that, you know, that would be called. And even in the huddle when I called it in the game, he was like tapping Barrios, Like, I got you on this. And Barrios was like, hey, like, keep it low key. Like, don't, don't give it away. So, um, but it was awesome to be able to see him and Barrios connect like that. And um, no, it was, that was special. And I didn't know he had it like that, though. You know, in practice, he – he missed a little bit to the left. You know, Barrios had to kind of come back for the ball, and I was like, oh, we might need to scratch that one, Crowder. Um, but he was like, no, nah, I'll get it right in the game, and sure enough, you know, he threw a dime. It's, fu it's funny you say that, though, about the huddle, because, you know, like Barrios trying to tell Crowder to keep it low-key because Crowder was the first guy in Jets franchise history to catch a touchdown and throw a touchdown in the same game since Curtis Martin did it back in 2000 against the Buccaneers. And I remember that game because it was a rainy day down in Tampa – Curtis being a running back, he was wearing gloves. And this was the game-winning touchdown pass there late in the fourth quarter. But when they broke the huddle, 
Curtis said after the fact he was nervous that the defense would kind of key in on what they were doing because he took off his right glove right. and threw it on the ground. So he thought they would be onto something, but it worked out for them. And was Crowder talking any trash afterwards that, you know, maybe he's the best quarterback on the team or he's got a better arm? <laughs> no, I mean, I said something to him. I was like, hey, man, you might want to take over for me this next series. You know, <laughs> so, um, no, nah, but Crowder, I mean, he's, you know, he doesn't say much as it is, but um, – no, nah, I was just super stoked. You know, when he threw that touchdown, I, I knew it would work. I didn't think it'd work like that, though. And uh, sure enough, he, he put on a dime because if he didn't, that safety was going to come over and, and tackle Barrio. So he put it right over the shoulder, and it was awesome to watch, and it was really cool to be able to celebrate after. What, what does this say about your team and the resilience, the fact that a lot of teams could have just fallen apart? You know, like you, when you always see that, you see guys going on IR, like, you know, I don't want to get injured. So they go on IR for, for meaningless injuries and things like that. But you guys stayed together. You guys continued to grow. And I believe that you guys are building the back end of this, this roster. How proud were you of some of the guys and how they're stepping up and taking advantage of their opportunities, whether it's Basham, whether it's Hewitt, who's been solid all year, you know, Marlette turning to, to, you know, a safety as well. Some of these young guys getting opportunities. And going forward, what does that mean for your football team? For sure. I mean, it's huge. Um just the way those guys, like you said, the way those guys have stepped up and um, just kind of forgotten and, and tuned out the outside noise. Because, um, you know, playing in New York, you get it, no doubt. And everyone has social media. Everyone can see it. Um, but the way they've tuned it out and come to work every single every single day, every single week, um, it's inspiring, man. And to have guys like Frank Gore, um, you know, that you're around every day and, you know, the him breaking that record or not breaking the record, but getting to 16,000 yards. I mean, that's, that's incredible, man. And and for him, you know, he's been um, someone that we've all looked at, especially, you know, with, with our roster and how young it is. And, you know, he's, he's a guy that everyone looks at and every single day, he's been the same guy coming in day in and day out, no matter what our circumstances are, he's, he's been that rock for us. And, you know, he doesn't say much, but, um, you know, he he speaks a lot with his actions and with the way he does things on a, on a day to day basis. So, um, you know, that's one guy that, you know, has just been awesome for us this year. And for him to accomplish that, uh, you know, 16,000 yard mark yesterday, um, it was incredible. Last week in practice, you know, did you notice there was a little bit of an uplifted feeling? on that field, in that huddle, you know, coming off of the Rams win, your first time all year, getting ready for another game off of a victory. Did you feel that there was a little bit different mood at practice? Um, no, I mean, honestly, like, we've we've come to work every single week, um, you know, ready to roll. And, you know, our guys have, have very uplifting spirits, you know, all week and, you know, throughout our season, you know, even losing as many games as we have. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, like winning, winning cures everything, no matter what your record is. If you win the week before, like, you know, you see some guys have more energy um, throughout the week. So that's definitely a real thing. But for the way our season has gone, you know, when we were on 13, like guys were still coming in the building and, um, you know, ready to work. So that's again, that's a credit to the way that, you know, the, the type of guys that we have in the locker room. I mean, um, just just really good dudes and, and guys that I love, you know, playing football with on, on Sundays. Sam, hang tight. Got to pay some bills. We'll have more with Sam Darnold coming up next right here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. 
And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso, along with Bart Scott, we're joined by the Jet quarterback, Sam Darnold. Now, you had a pretty entertaining play yesterday, and normally we're used to seeing you throw the football, but yesterday you tucked it under, you took off, and you ran over a former Super Bowl MVP in Malcolm Smith. Um, tell me how that it's play totally kind of set up. You know, <laughs> did you know that eventually there was going to be some impact there and you better go full force? So, yeah, no, I, I told it, I didn't mean to, you know, it might've looked cool. And, you know, I think it sparked some energy on the bench and, you know, throughout our team, but like, I wasn't trying to do what I did. Like I was, I was running straight at him and he was kind of standing there ready for me. And I took off to the left, um, tried to, you know, break eye contact and give him some false acceleration to the left. And I, I broke it off expecting him to be running to his right trying to stop me and uh yeah he just stayed right there and you know I had too much momentum to where I, I couldn't really slide so you know just ran into him and you know carried forward for the first down but um you know I got up and, and Crowder was loving it uh you know some of the some of the linemen were pumped about it you know I was stoked I got the first down but you know I told Malcolm I told him as I got up, I was like, Hey, next time, just so you know, I'm sliding. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Again, again, I know Bart, Bart understands this. Like if a quarterback does that, you're going to do everything you can to knock him out that next time. And so, oh, exactly. yeah. And so I know Malcolm was expecting me to slide. And I told Malcolm after the play, I was like, Hey bro, like next time I'm getting down, like that's, I didn't mean to do that. And he was like, oh, no, you're, you're good, good, man. Like, so I don't know. It was definitely a weird situation, but, um, you know, again, happy I got the first down and happy I came out of it healthy. No, to trust and believe that when they watch the film today, that's going to say, this is how we play. We got a quarterback stepping on our Super Bowl uh, MVP linebacker stepping on his chest. They were more physical than us, and the quarterback run over our linebacker, and he's going to try and get you. So remember the next time you see him, he's going to have that in his mind. He's going to take that shot. You know what I mean? So you, know, you, 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 win, you win right now. You win the battle, but make sure you don't lose the war. Because, you know, what I've done is I've done some things to people and forgot I did it. And when I go yeah. back to them, they got me. I took a couple of L's, but, you know, we all do. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that, you know, I was right as I got up, I told Malcolm, like, hey, I'm going to get down next time. Like, because I knew in the back of his head, he was like, all right, quarterback wants to start lowering their shoulder. Like, he's going to have to watch out or else I'll tackle him like a running back. So I knew that was the case and, you know, made sure every time I think I kept it on a little zone read. I kept it and I was you know, quick to get down, you know, as soon as I got the sticks. But I mean, when you when you think about that, what it does to your team, that's the second time you've done that. I mean, you stepped on somebody's chest, you know, on the, on the um, goal line as well. And sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But um, when you think about, you know, your ability to really show what you can do outside the pocket, I don't think you get as much credit. Uh, would you like to do a couple more RPOs and if people disrespect the edge and flatten down, to have more opportunities to kind of keep it and run and still be safe? And get down because I think people don't realize you one, you're a former linebacker, so you have that toughness. And also, two, that you know, when, when people you know focus so much on the on the on the on the running back, it's opportunities. We saw yesterday Ryan Tannehill able to to to, to bust a big one. You know, is that something you want to add to your game as far as getting faster and stronger in the lower body so you can maybe kick through some of those and change some of the angles of some of these guys? Because they're between a rock and a hard place. They're sitting still and they're trying to read and then they're trying to reaccelerate. And then you have opportunity to set them up with line. Yeah. You know, I think there's, there's definitely a fine line there of, you know, wanting to use every tool in my toolbox, try to run, but also knowing that, 
you know, I'm not going to be, be able to do that forever. And when I do run and if someone's coming after me to get down and, and be safe that way. So, um, but yeah, that's definitely something that I always look forward to in the off season. Like we talked about in the beginning segment, like getting faster and stronger, all those things in the lower body is, is just as important as, you know, anything. Um, Cause if you keep your lower body in shape, um, especially as a quarterback, like I feel like 80%, maybe 70, 80% of our, throws are generated through our lower body and so that's always a huge point of emphasis for me in the off season but um yeah i think you know being able to escape out of the pocket and maybe having some design read plays you know that's that's definitely something that i've i've done in the in the past and um i can always do but um you know that's just you know it's it's it just gives the defense you know another thing to worry about and as you know bart like it's tough. You know, when you have a quarterback who can run, it, it presents another problem. In a challenging year like this where, you know, on the field and everything that we're dealing with, with the pandemic still, and it's been trying, it's been challenging, it's been difficult. But do you think that there could be good that comes from it? Can you learn something positive from this year and take it with you moving forward through your career? Yeah, I mean, you know, you always have, you know, with experience, um, you know, you learn so much from, from experiences and from just playing football. And, you know, this year I've, I've learned a lot about myself and, um, you know, my, my ability to handle loss and, um, you know, handle different things that have happened this year. And you always learn something about yourself and about your teammates and just about the way um, you handle adversity. And I think that's, that's kind of the biggest thing that I've taken away from this year is, um, you know, I don't plan on, having worse years than I had this year, um, just in terms of, you know, not just statistically, but just winning and losing. Like we just didn't win enough this year and we didn't get it done as much as I would have liked. And I learned a lot from it. And, you know, like I said, I'm going to watch tape in the off season and, and learn and grow. I mean, we, we've seen some teams take some huge leaps and bounds. I can remember the San Francisco 49ers a couple of years ago. They were a team that was in disarray. You know, John Lynch comes in, makes a couple of changes has a couple of good draft um, draft classes and, you know, boom, they're in the Super Bowl. Um, I also look at a team like, you know, Tennessee before Ryan Tannehill. So when you look at this team and, and understanding that Joe Douglas has so many, so much draft equity and, and capital, you know, do you get excited? Do you play like fantasy football with yourself? Like, hey, man, like, man, like we can get this guy and that guy, you know, and I, no disrespect to none of your teammates, but it's some, it's some players that are, aren't going to be able to be protected next year simply because of the pandemic and the fact that it's not fans in the stands. So organizations are losing money and they may not be able to protect, you know, certain players that normally would be a part of their future because the accounting is all messed up. So do you kind of look back and say, man, you know, like I know that we're going in the right direction, you know, it may not, you know, show everybody else may not see it, but I see it happen. I see the small changes and I yeah. see the culture being set. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I have faith in, um, this organization and what we're doing, um, and the future, you know, and, um, I always will, no matter what the circumstances are. And, um, you know, I'm always going to believe that, um, you know, things are going to get better, you know, especially from what we've been through this year. Um, you know, again, we have, we've proved it. I mean, the last couple of weeks we've played really good football, you know, complimentary football. Um, and you know, we've won, and we beat two really good teams, playoff teams. And, you know, we're capable of it. Um, you know, we just got to be more consistent throughout throughout the year and obviously throughout the beginning of the year too. So, 
Um, you know, and, and I really do put that a lot on myself too. I feel like I didn't play good enough at the beginning of the year to, to win football games. And like we just talked about, Dan, I, I, I really do think I learned from that. And, you know, I've been able to, you know, protect the ball a little bit more and, and just give our team a chance to win games. And that's what I've done the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I really do have faith in, in this organization and, and what we're able to do in the future. You personally, I don't think you've had a victory yet against the Patriots since you've been in the league. So now with this game coming up on Sunday in Foxborough, is that another thing that, you know, a little bit of personal motivation, not just to go get the win and to finish on the high note, but for you personally, like, hey, I beat the Patriots finally here in my Jet career? No, I mean, you know, it's it really is just another game for us. You know, we got to have the same mentality that we've had the last couple of weeks, you know, going out there and, you know, having good practices, putting together good meetings and, you know, going, going to Foxborough and getting a win. Um, obviously it's a divisional game and, um, you know, the Pats and, you know, like you just said, I haven't beaten them and there's things that go along with it, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I haven't played them this year. Um, and they're a different team than what I played last year. And so, um, you know, we always talk about it, but it is a faceless opponent and we got to study the same way we studied last week and the week before. And, um, like I said, just put together a good week of work and, and go out there and get a win on Sunday. What was yeah, the I, best? I understand that it's a face to this opponent. And listen, I've been on that side, right? I've been there. And I can remember during the Super Bowl when they played the Falcons, I told this 12-year-old kid that was a that was a Patriots fan simply because they wanted to be the fan of the winning team the same way with the Golden State Warriors. Guys are jumping on the bandwagon. Yep. I took this little 12-year-old to the side and I said, listen, I cannot wait until you, the opportunity when Tom Brady's no longer there and you guys are searching for your Dan Marino or you're searching for your Jim Kelly. I'm going to find you, little kid. He should be about 14. And I'm going to look him up. I'm going to find him. And I'm going to say, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Because now this division yeah. is wide open. And understanding what this means for the fan base. This, is, this, this may just be another game, a faceless opponent. But this is a huge game for the fan base, understanding that finally they're going to see somebody win the division that's not the Patriots. And understand you have an opportunity to push them down even farther in the draft order. And, you know, it's no fun when the rabbit gets the gun. So I know you can't say that. That's why I'm here for it. I'm the I'm the buffer. I'm the guy that's able to say what you can't say. So don't worry about it. I don't care about Bill Belichick. Bill knows that he don't want no smoke with me. If I see him in the streets, he knows what's going to happen. So don't worry <laughs> about it. That's relishing the fact that we have a franchise quarterback in you. We have plenty of draft picks. Joe Douglas did a great job. And in the next year or so, you guys are going to be at the top of this division. And everybody, I want you to keep receipts of everybody who said something, did something. Tell them to bring up the smoke then. And then you just bash it. And you ain't got to say nothing because I'll be on TV somewhere. And I'll say it for you. Yeah, I appreciate that, Bart. Last bitch line, Stepper. Well, I know you got to run, Sam. But last thing here, uh, what was the best gift that Santa left under the tree for you this year? Um... It's a great question. I mean, I got a lot of, you know, different clothes. I think, um, you know, Santa left me, you know, for my house down in, you know, Southern California, left me a couple, um, you know, lounge chairs that I needed for right by the pool. Um, you know, nice. and I think that was kind of my big gift this year. I didn't really ask for much, um, you know, uh, so that was, that was kind of my big gift. I got a bunch of like, like I said, like clothes and I got some new uh, Ugg slippers, which, you know, I haven't had for a long time. My other ones were trash from college. So um, I got some of those and, 
yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just great to be able to have family, especially during this year of, of COVID and everything. It was awesome to be able to have them come out and, you know, just spend the holidays with them. Awesome. Well, Sam, we always appreciate a couple of minutes joining us here on the show. Best of luck against the New England Patriots and heading into the offseason. But we always appreciate your time, Sam. And uh, Happy New Year to you and yours. Yep. Happy New Year. Appreciate you guys. All right. Coming up, more of Inside the Jets presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grassa and Bart Scott. And Inside the Jets is also supported by Selective Insurance, be a uniquely insured. So, Bart, we're down to week 17 here. And it's a lot of fun because you have a lot of these playoff spots that are still up for grabs. You know, the NFC East, which has been really, uh, you know, like a, a, a drama filled scene all season long. And you still got three of the four clubs who can get in with sub 500 records. You got the AFC South, which is up for grabs. You've got playoff spots in both conferences, which still need to be hammered out. I mean, the Bears have kind of risen from the ashes and are now in control of their own fate to try to sneak in as a wild card. It really is fun when you have this much up for grabs in the final week of the season. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I can remember, you know, thinking that we were out of it in 09. Oh, yeah. Coming up only to get in by everything that needed to go right, like the 75 different things actually went right. We had no idea that we were in the playoffs. We got in the playoffs and we were able to make noise. So it's not about sometimes you're seeding. It's about what you do when you get there. And if you're playing well and styles make fights. So matchups. So you got guys that are jockeying for position. I think it has ramifications. I mean, how do you feel if you're the Cleveland Browns and, you know, everybody's saying this is a different Cleveland Browns and you've arrived and now you can compete with the Baltimores and the Steelers. Then you lose to the Jets mm-hmm. you know, with an opportunity to go to the postseason. You may be 10 and 6. And not get an opportunity, not, not get not get an opportunity to go. You know, you look at that's what you said, the AFC wild card right now. You've got four teams that are 10 and 5. You got Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Indianapolis. One of those teams is going to be on the outside looking in. It's crazy how all these tiebreakers get impacted, and the tiebreakers even change from week to week. So, like as you and I are talking right now, Indianapolis is the team out in the cold that would lose out on that tiebreaker. But if all of them win going into next week or all win next week, then it's a different team that gets left out. It's just crazy the way this all matters. And you hate for it to all come down to one game like that and to lose out on a tiebreaker, but that's why you got to take each one of these 16 seriously. No, absolutely. I mean, they're even allowing an extra team in, so nobody yep. can complain with an extra team being allowed in. You have to take care of your business. I mean, if you're in the NFC, you feel good because, you know, you can have a sub-500 record and still get in the playoffs. But if you're in the AFC – it just so happened. I mean, remember when the Patriots were 11 and five and they missed the playoffs every once in a while it happens. Everybody, you know, that, that played took care of business and they got above 500 record. And that's just where the cars fall. Like it, it doesn't matter if you get in or not, you know what the rules were for you to get in and it's your job to take care of business to get there. So it's going to be a wild week. Um, guys are going to be happy. Um, like just over the moon for being able to get to the postseason, have an opportunity. Some guys are going to be so disappointed that it's going to be the type of disappointment that propels them to be like a great team or start a great run um, because of their disappointment. You think about a team like um, you know Washington or you think about a team like Philly, think about a team like the Giants or Dallas. You think about you go from either winning a division or being a top 10 pick. Yeah. And you ask yourself, is it more important for us to win the battle or is it more important for us to win the war? Because we get in, odds are that we, yeah, we can make some noise like Seattle did that year and they hosted a, a game um, against the Saints, mm-hmm. but we also can come in and be one and done. And then in the big picture, um, how did that help you? 
It, it, it's funny too, right? Just with those NFC East teams, because look, when you finish sub 500, you know, you got a lot of work to do and you have to make some changes in the off season, but there could be one of these teams that wins a division at six and 10. And then there's another team that could finish six and 10 and not make the playoffs. So the six and 10 record looks a heck of a lot different for that team that misses out versus the team that got in that, look, I don't think they're throwing any parades, but they're going to say to themselves, Hey, well, at least we got a home playoff game. At least we snuck in. Whereas if you're the other teams, you're saying, boy, we got to get to work on the offseason because we got a heck of a lot we got to improve upon. No, absolutely. Everybody's going to have to do a deep dive and it's self-evaluation. Everybody's going to say, hey, we're, we're one or two you know, plays or you're going to go back and review the film and say, hey, man, we would have just won this game or won that game. You know, the, the Jets are saying, hey, we would have beat Denver. We would have beat, you know, the Raiders. You know, our record would be a lot more respectable. I mean, five or six wins. You know, yeah, that's one win um, from what we did last year. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Teams have to learn how to finish. And those are the film that you show. Situational football, this is where we lost it. And, you know, there's a couple teams, too. Like, you look at where they're headed right now. Like, we don't know if the Rams are going to get in. But if they do get in, you know, their outlook could change here dramatically because Jared Goff messed up his thumb yesterday. And there's some reports that say it might be fractured. They're saying it's a pain tolerance thing. But that's got to affect his ability to throw the football. I mean, you're talking about a right-handed quarterback. So then what to make of the Rams if they make the postseason? You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, just a week ago, they were left for dead, that they were on a three-game losing streak. A lot of intriguing stuff with these teams. And, you know, these playoffs are going to be fun this year, giving the landscape what everything going on. Nothing matters, right? Yep. What happened last week, Clean the slate. good or bad, it don't matter. Like, what matters is what you do going forward. And what matters is being able to lock in, be able to, to kind of really focus and get everybody to perform and do their job at a high level. Because a lot of times in the postseason, it's not about teams that, that win it. Mm-hmm. It's teams that lose it. Right, you know, saw that yesterday the, the the play where the linebacker got into a fight with um, Bakhtiari, and it led to a first down, which led to a touchdown, which opened up the floodgates. You know, those are the type of things like no self-inflicted wounds, and it's a, it's a lesson. It's a lesson in, in in how to win games and pressure cookers. And you know, a lot of teams are going to get an education. Let's see if they can apply this education and see how far they can take it. We got one more of these left next week, Bart. Jets have one more to go up in Foxborough against the Pats. We'll have to close that on a high note. I'm going to say to you, though, Happy New Year, and we'll do this again next week, my friend, for the season finale. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right. That's Bart Scott. I'm Dan Grassa. This has been another edition of Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. So long, everybody.